Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. Welcome to a very special edition of Sports Crunch with DCROM. I'm your host, David Cromolo. We are already past the midway point of the college football season, and that means the shape of the 2022 NFL draft class is really starting to solidify. And in that spirit, we begin our 2022 Dash to the Draft series tonight because there really isn't a time to not talk about the NFL draft process. And what better person is there to help us kick off our 2022 Dash to the Draft edition than our good friend Jacob Infante of the Draft Wire and Windy City Gridiron. Great to have you back, Jacob. How you doing? Hey, David. I'm doing great. Uh, busy time of year, to say the least, uh, with all that's been going on football-wise and you know other stuff going on. But I'm excited to be here. I know there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about, especially with the NFL draft. Uh, honestly, any opportunity to talk about it is uh, welcome for me. So I'm very much looking forward to, you know, talking some ball here. Absolutely, Jacob. It is always a pleasure to have you and your incredible football mind on this program. And when you look at this uh, 2022 NFL draft class in a nutshell at this time, it is pretty, pretty clear that if your favorite team needs more help at offensive tackle, edge rusher, or corner, that this is going to be the perfect draft for them. However, if your team needs help at quarterback, the most important position in all sports, this draft is probably not the place for them to look. Several draft analysts I know well have said they can't think of any quarterback prospect that is worth a first-round pick in 2022. However, you, Jacob, are fairly high on Liberty's Malik Willis. Do you think that Malik Willis is worth a roll of the dice in the first round, if not the top 10 picks? And if so, why? Uh, yeah, I definitely think he is, and he's the only person that I feel that confidently about. Uh, I, I can see a case being made for Matt Corral out of Ole Miss, but honestly, other than that, I think Malik Willis is he, he's starting to separate himself as the QB1. Sure, he's not even uh, he's not on a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or even a Zach Wilson level uh, coming out of college, but he's still a talented quarterback. Uh, and I think that from a physical perspective, he has the highest ceiling at the quarterback position in this class. He's got a cannon of an arm. He's an incredible athlete. I feel like if he gets drafted in the NFL this year, uh, he's already going to enter as a top five pure athlete at the quarterback position. That's how uh, explosive and elusive he is. And with that high of an upside and the flashes that he's shown, it's not like a, a Josh Allen and Wyoming sort of situation where he's got all these tools, but he's wildly uh, inaccurate or he makes really bad decisions with the football. Like, can he struggle with decision-making sometimes? Sure. I feel like there are some technical aspects to his game he can better in, but you're looking at that ceiling. I think Malik Willis has the highest ceiling. I think that even his floor isn't as low as some of the other top quarterbacks in this class, in my opinion, uh, because sure, there's a chance that he busts. There's a chance that every quarterback busts, but I think that he's shown enough promise in terms of his uh, timing and ball placement uh, to warrant those first round looks, how high will he go? I'm going to be honest. I'm not so sure. Uh, there's so much up in the air and this really isn't the best draft class to be looking for a quarterback in, but I, I like Malik Willis a good amount. And if I were a team, uh, looking for a franchise quarterback this year, Malik Willis is definitely the guy I'm circling on my board. Very interesting. And let me give you a chance to rebut uh, some uh, comments I've heard because Malik Willis is a fairly polarizing prospect uh, on draft Twitter. Uh, a lot of people say he plays in a high school offense at Liberty and he has had a stretch of games in the past couple of weeks where he's struggled and uh, he's thrown more picks than touchdowns. I believe these past couple of weeks, what is your rebuttal to those people? Yeah. So I understand the concerns of Malik Willis, uh, especially the last two weeks. Uh, it's six picks in the last two weeks. And those turnovers played a big role in why uh, Liberty ended up getting upset by uh, UL Monroe last week. But, and, and do I think that he's a day one starter? I honestly don't. I don't think there's a day one starting quarterback in this class, but down the line, I think that his upside far outweighs those potential concerns and are enough for him to warrant those first round looks. Uh, when you have a quarterback who can make those plays uh, on the ground or through the air like Malik Willis can, uh, he's definitely going to be worth a look. 
And if there's a team that's willing to let him develop for a little while, maybe they have a placeholder veteran QB or they have a veteran QB they've stuck with for a long time and they want to move on from them uh, after the 2022 season, then I think you're looking at Malik Willis as that kind of guy. If you're looking for a, a day one starter at quarterback in this class, I kind of think you're out of luck in my honest opinion, but I think Willis has the highest ceiling and I think he's the closest thing there is to a franchise caliber prospect in this class at the quarterback position. Yes. And although many, including yourself have Malik Willis as QB one, the race for that uh, distinction is uh, very, very tight right now. And another quarterback that has made a similar case, as you mentioned, is Matt Corral of Ole Miss based on what you have seen from the tape. What is your opinion of him and how does Matt Corral project to the NFL? Yeah. So Matt Corral was on my radar last year and like heading into this season, I, I liked him. I didn't love him. Uh, I want to say I had him near the bottom of my top 10 uh, at the quarterback position, but his growth has really impressed me. I think that from an accuracy perspective, he's improved. Uh, even from an arm talent perspective, I mean, he had some zip last year, but I feel like he's got a little bit more of a loose arm now and he's able to make you know tougher throws this year. Uh, and then when you factor in the athletic ability that he has, uh, you factor in the production that he has and the accuracy that he's shown. Uh, I think that there's potential for him to be a starter at the next level. Now, he's not, he doesn't have that ideal quarterback size at the next level. I mean, then again, neither does Malik Willis. Matt Corral, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's around 205 pounds. Like, so he's going to have to add up uh, some weight to his frame. But I think that there, there is a lot to like with him. And, you know, kind of like Malik Willis, I think that there's some work in progress from a decision-making standpoint and uh, from a pocket presence and mechanics perspective. But I think that there is a high ceiling with him. It's just a matter of if he's going to be able to hit on it. Uh, will he? I don't know, because I don't feel like he has a strong enough arm to warrant putting him in like that Zach Wilson territory where, you know, they kind of have like, somewhat of a backyard style of play and you can work around that. I think Corral has a strong arm, but he's not on the level of a Zach Wilson where you can maybe overlook some of the concerns you have from a processing standpoint. So that's why I wouldn't rush to take him in like the top 10, but if I'm looking in the mid teens or if I'm looking late in the first round, I think that Matt Corral is probably going to end up somewhere around there. And moving on to the edge class, and we have a deep and talented edge group this year, but obviously one stands out above all the rest, and that is Oregon's Kayvon Thibodeau. What makes Kayvon Thibodeau so special, and what, aside from this talent-poor quarterback class, makes him worthy of the number one overall pick? Jeez, uh, how much time you got? Uh, I just love watching Kayvon Thibodeau play. Uh, he's been ha uh, hampered with injuries a bit this year, so he hasn't been able to play every single game. But when he plays you know which player he is when if you're just watching the broadcast live you know by his first step you know by how often he's in the backfield just exactly which of those players out there is Kayvon Thibodeau uh, I think from a size perspective he's got the length and you know good bulk in his frame that uh, projects well to the NFL level of physicality he's an insane athlete I think his burst off the ball is might be second to none in this class. I think there are a lot of athletic edge rushers, but I think Thibodeau might be the most athletic, which is saying a lot considering he's like 6'5", 250. Uh, he's got good hands. He's flexible. He can turn the corner very well. Uh, I do think that he can get a little bit stronger. I think that's the one area I'd like to see him improve a little bit. His ability to uh, push the pocket, so to speak, and the ability to convert speed to power at the point of attack. But when you've got an edge rusher who's, that long, that explosive plays with that high of a motor has a high football IQ uh, has a, an above average repertoire of pass rushing moves to work with. I think you're looking at a guy who's probably number one pick material because looking at this draft class, there aren't really a ton of players who really stick out and say, okay, I can make an argument for this guy going number one. I think you can make that with Kayvon Thibodeau because he plays a premier position He's a blue chip prospect. He's been productive. I mean, sure, he's struggled a little bit with injuries, but if you're willing to overlook that, 
the physical tools, what he brings on the field, as well as off of it, I think that you're looking at a quality pick and a quality prospect. So will he go number one? I don't know. That depends on how the draft order plays out, but I think there's a lot to like with him for sure. Yes, and uh, this past decade uh, has been a decade of pass rushers. Von Miller, Khalil Mack, Miles Garrett, the Bosa brothers, et al., uh, Chase Young, if you want to include him. Uh, how does Kayvon Thibodeau compare to some of those guys as prospects? I will say that I think Chase Young is, bet- is better or was better coming out of Ohio State than Kayvon Thibodeau is out of Oregon. I think that uh, from a physicality perspective, Chase Young had him beat. And even though I think Thibodeau might be a little more loose and a little bit more explosive, I think that Young was more powerful and a little bit more of a technician. But that's not a knock on him at all. I think that uh, he's about on par with Nick Bosa for for different reasons. You know, Nick was more uh, polished, but I think Thibodeau's athletic ceiling is sky high. So I'd honestly put him around that Nick Bosa range. I couldn't give you a concrete answer in terms of where they rank with my grades because my grading systems changed since the 2019 draft. But at the same time, I really like what Kayvon Thibodeau brings to the table. He's in that range. He's in that, that Bosa range. He's near that Miles Garrett range, near that Chase Young range. And, you know, that's the type of guy that he can get you double digit sacks on a consistent basis in the NFL if he develops correctly. So I think that's a guy worth taking number one, if you don't need a quarterback. Yes, and you talked a lot about Kayvon Thibodeau's freakish athletic ceiling. And as uh, the Ravens selection of Odafe Owe uh, in the draft uh, last year teaches us, always, always bet on traits at edge rusher because Odafe Owe, he wasn't the prospect that Kayvon Thibodeau is, but he is already becoming an absolute star at the edge pass rusher position in Baltimore. And, uh, and if he could do it, Kayvon Thibodeau absolutely can too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you said it best. I think when you have a guy with that good of tools, uh, you bet on him. You take that traits over production. Uh, And sure, is it great to have an edge rusher who's been productive? Is it a little reassuring? Sure. But at the same time, you're looking for someone who can play at the NFL level, not just at college. And it's a different ballgame. So if you've got a guy with that freakazoid athletic ability, then you take a chance on on him and also someone who's been as dumb as Kayvon Thibodeau has been. I think that he's well worth uh, looking at very early in the 2022 draft. Definitely. And Kayvon Thibodeau just might be that number one overall pick come April 28th and staying with the edge class for a moment. It looks as if there is going to be a tight race to be the second edge off the board between Aiden Hutchinson of Michigan and Purdue's George Karloftis. At this time, which one of those two stud Big Ten pass rushers do you like better and why? Uh, I hate that you're making me choose because I really like both of them. I, I'd feel comfortable taking either one of them in the top 15 of this class. So that's how good I think they are. I'd, I'd have to go with Aiden Hutchinson simply because I think he's been dominant this year. He's just been on another level. Uh, he looks to have improved even more so from an athletic perspective, uh, just how, refined he is how well he uses his hands how powerful he is how well he does of you know staying low and generating that low pad level to uh, uh, maximize that power in his lower half the high motor everything I think there's a lot to like with Aiden Hutchinson uh, and considering how big he is he's like 6'6 close to 280 if I'm not mistaken so that's that's a big cat rushing off the edge. So if you get that opportunity to get him, I think that he's someone with that inside outside versatility. Uh, honestly, last year I projected him as an interior defender uh, as like a five tech and a three, four. Now I can honestly see him uh, stepping out to the edge uh, in what scheme. I'm not so sure, but at the same time, I think that there's a lot to like with him. Carl uh, Laftis, I don't think is as explosive or maybe as fluid as Aiden Hutchinson per se, but I think you see a lot of the same strengths with him. The technical ability, just how refined his hand usage is, how powerful they are, how quick they are, how how many moves he has in his uh, move set, and the power, the sheer power and the motor. I think there's a lot to like there. He's not going to offer you too much value in space, but I think from a technical perspective, he's a guy who can – put pressure on the quarterback 
Is he going to be a double-digit guy consistently in the NFL? I don't know. Honestly, I feel like you're looking at a career trajectory maybe similar to that as a guy like Brandon Graham with the Eagles. Uh, I think that it's, you know, it's a little bit different because uh, Brandon Graham is, you know, 6'2", and George Karlaftis is like 6'4", but I do think that there are some similarities there, and I think that you look at a guy like Brandon Graham who's consistently gotten somewhere in the range of six to nine sacks every year. I think that's what you'd get out of George Karlaftis, and that's a guy you can get a lot of usage out of at the next level. But when we're talking about the edge position, sacks aren't the whole story. As the saying goes, disruption is production. And you saw what George Karlaftis did on Saturday against Iowa. He almost single-handedly won that game for Purdue uh, just a couple days ago, and he is just constantly in the quarterback's face. You get a sheer disruptor with George Karloftis and that alone could make him worthy of a top 10 pick. Could it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that uh, it was Brandon Staley who said that in his press conference that yes, sacks are great, but ultimately pressures uh, tend to show a bit more of consistency and that year to year uh, linear progression, so to speak. So definitely I think the pressures are very important and George Karloftis is a type of guy who consistently put pressure on the quarterback. There's a lot to like with him. I just think that from, like I said, size, strength, technique, motor, he has a lot to like there. And I think that he's a guy who can be able to translate pretty well at the next level. And moving on to this uh, offensive tackle class, and it appears that for the second consecutive year, if not third, we have a pretty, pretty, pretty deep class at that position. But like at edge with Kayvon Thibodeau, there is a clear cut cream of the crop in Alabama's Evan Neal. What makes Evan Neal stand out from the rest of this talented offensive tackle class? And do you think he has a legit case to be in the conversation for the number one overall pick, especially if the Jacksonville Jaguars happen to be picking number one on April 28th, that they could use either Evan Neal or Kayvon Thibodeau just as much? I think it's definitely something to consider. Uh, Evan Neal is definitely my top tackle in this class by a considerable margin. And just watching him this year, I think it's pretty obvious why. Uh, I mean, last year he was good too, but I think this year he's really come into his own as a, an elite prospect. I think that for someone who's as big as he is, he's a mammoth dude, but he's a really good athlete. I think his lateral quickness is very good. His, uh, his burst and vertical set uh, is impressive, and that ability to redirect is something that not too many tackles can do for his size. Uh, that's a speed and strength combination too. He, he's like, what, 360, something like that. And that weight shows up on tape. I think that you watch him, how tenacious he is in his style of play and how much power he packs at the point of attack. There's a lot to like there. Uh, he's nasty. He's coordinated. He's massive. And I think that that's going to help him out considerably at the next level. Uh, I think he could still improve in a little bit of, uh, technical refinement in terms of uh, his hand placement and pad level, but I don't think he's bad at those things. I just think he's decent at those. If he can improve a little bit from a technical perspective, you're looking at a perennial pro bowler. You're looking at a kind of guy who can step in at left tackle and be your blindside protector for 10 plus years. That's the ceiling you're looking at with Evan Neal. And I think that his uh, overall upside far and away surpasses any other offensive lineman in this class and arguably the deepest position group in this year's draft class is at corner. Although LSU's Derek Stingley Jr. is regarded as the best of the bunch, two other corners that are impressing tremendously this season are Andrew Booth Jr. of Clemson and Kair Elam of Florida. Would it either shock or surprise you if both of the latter joined Stingley as top 10 picks and or make an equally compelling case to be the first corner off the board? Keep in mind, Stingley did not have as good a season last year as he did in 2019 when LSU took home the national title and he's been hurt this year. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if Stingley isn't the first court, uh, first corner rather uh, to go off the board. I think that there's, there's certainly a lot to like with him. And I mean, sure. He hasn't had a phenomenal, he didn't have a phenomenal 2020 season compared to the year before and he's dealt with injuries and whatnot. But I think that the instincts he brings, the fluidity, the ball skills, speed and physicality, there's really, there's very little not to like in his game, but in all honesty, it wouldn't shock me if Kair Alam or Andrew Booth Jr. surpass him in terms of that general consensus around the league. 
Look, I'll be honest. I had Patrick Sertan as my uh, top corner last year, and J.C. Horn was the top corner taken. Uh, so just because I have a corner rated higher than someone else doesn't necessarily mean the league does. That's just my own personal valuation. Uh, and with the – I don't want to say the dying of hype because people know Derek Stingley's a good player, but they aren't talking about him a lot. And I sometimes I think the NFL draft is a matter of who has the most momentum right now. Uh, and I don't know if Stingley has as much as Kair Alam or uh, Andrew Booth Jr. So we'll see, honestly. I think that any of the three could make a realistic chance to make it into the top 10. I'd watch for uh, Ahmad Gardner out of Cincinnati as well. I don't know if he goes top 10, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's at least close in that conversation uh, because he's put together a really good year for Cincinnati. He's shot up my board. It took me a little while, a little longer than most to get on board with him, but I, I really like what I've seen with him this year. Yeah, that is Sauce Garner. He goes by the nickname yeah, Sauce. Sauce. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that is definitely another name to add to the list of elite corners in this class to the three we just mentioned. And let's stay in the secondary for a moment. It is pretty, pretty rare that we see a safety selected in the top five, but 2022 could very well be an anomaly with Notre Dame's Kyle Hamilton expected to declare for the draft. What qualifies Kyle Hamilton to be the exception to the rule of not drafting a safety super high in the draft? Normally, I definitely agree. I think that safety doesn't have uh, as much positional value as say a quarterback or an edge rusher or tackle or even like a receiver or a corner. But when you have a player like Kyle Hamilton, I think you have to make an exception. And will I think the league, do I think the league will go for him as a top five prospect? I don't know, but I'm just saying that I would, because when you have a safety, who's as big as he is, he's six, four, like two twenty, as intelligent as he is, as explosive as he is, someone who can drop back in coverage consistently with a high route recognition IQ and someone who can read the eyes of a quarterback. Well, someone who can tackle extremely well, takes really good angles in uh, pursuit after the catch and got the ball skills, the ability to disrupt a game uh, in the passing game. Like he can, he's a very well-rounded prospect. There's very little that he doesn't excel at. And I think that for that reason alone, you have a guy who can potentially step in and be maybe a top 10 safety right out of the gate, which is insane to think about for a rookie. But I think that that's how good Kyle Hamilton is. I think that you're looking at the potential for a Derwin James-esque rookie year, depending on where he lands. And, you know, obviously you hope that Hamilton will have more uh, durability at the next level than Derwin James has proven to have. But I think in terms of that rookie season, that's what you're looking at. A, a guy who's super versatile, a guy who's big, athletic, physical, the whole deal. He's the total package at safety. So it wouldn't shock me if they broke that unspoken rule of taking a safety early and somebody took a chance on him that high. And do you think Kyle Hamilton just has as much versatility coming out of Notre Dame as Derwin James did coming out of Florida State? Uh, I don't know. I feel like, in my honest opinion, I think Derwin James might be a little more versatile. But at the same time, I also think that Kyle Hamilton's a very good box safety. I think he offers that ability to uh, rush off the edge and that ability to uh, hold his own in run support, say if they want to, if a team wants to run like a big nickel or a big dime package, sub out a linebacker, bring Hamilton down into the box and have another safety up high. Uh, I think you could definitely get away with that at the next level. I think that Derwin James was a little bit better uh, in man coverage than Hamilton is. Uh, but I, I also think that Hamilton offers more in terms of size. Uh, and I don't know. I'm trying to think if I'd want to say, all production and instincts. I think it's pretty close there. I really like Derwin James coming out of Florida State, and I really like Kyle Hamilton. But overall, I'd give the narrow edge to Hamilton because I think his physical tools are just a little bit better. Fascinating analysis there, Jacob. And before we continue to the more fun part of our program, so to speak, uh, let's talk about the wide receiver class for just a moment. While not as top-heavy as the last two draft classes, another deeply, deeply talented wide receiver crop will be there for the picking come April. Before football season began, it was a debate between 
Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson of Ohio State as to who is the best wide receiver in this class. But fast forward to right now, Penn State's Jahan Dotson has entered the fray. Do you think that Jahan Dotson has already made a solid case to be considered the best wide receiver in this 2022 NFL draft? I'm not sure just yet. I'm, I haven't jumped to that conclusion yet. And personally, I do have a little bit more of his tape to watch from this year. I've you know caught up on him. I lo- I've really liked what I've seen from him, and he's definitely rose on my board uh, compared to uh, earlier in the preseason. I feel like there are some other receivers in this class with higher uh, physical upside, though. But that, you know, that's not a knock on Jahan Dotson. I think he's athletic. He's a good route runner. He's got good hands. He's a better 50-50 ball guy than you'd expect for his size. Uh, But then again, that size does come into concern sometimes. I feel like he doesn't necessarily have top-notch physicality in his game through his stems. I feel like that's something he can improve at a little bit. Uh, Again, I still have more to watch of him in 2021. And Jahan Dotson's definitely a guy that I'm looking at around the first round, but I don't know necessarily if I'd call him wide receiver one yet. I, I say I say wait until the rest of the season plays out and then uh, circle back on that. But I, I will say, though, I've been impressed with what Dotson's done this year. Yeah, definitely. It's a wide, wide open race for that wide receiver one distinction in this 2022 NFL draft. And now let's play one of our favorite games on this program. It's called Buy or Sell. Dane Brugler of The Athletic uh, in a recent column, he listed five prospects that are really, really rising up draft boards based on his conversations with scouts and executives from around the NFL And I want to know whether you buy or sell their chances of being selected in the first round. We start with Alabama wide receiver, Jamison Williams. Do you buy or sell him as a first round pick in 2022? From my own personal evaluations, I'll say sell, but that's hardly a knock on Jamison Williams. I I really like what he brings to the table. I think that he, uh, arguably more than any receiver in this class, he's boosted his stock incredibly well. And I think there's, again, a lot to like from him. I think he's he fits that bill for me of a very athletic receiver who's also a polished route runner. Uh, and he's got good length, too. I think he's a little lanky for my taste. I think that physicality can stand to improve a little bit. Is he a number one receiver at the next level? I don't know. I think he could be a very he could be a high-end number two, though. I think that's something you still take a look at in the first round. So, would I take him in the first round? I don't know. I think I'd take him early second personally, but I, it wouldn't shock me if other teams felt differently and they were able to take him late round one. I think that he's had a really good year and there's a lot to like with him. A quarterback that has shot up a lot of draft boards around the league is Pittsburgh's Kenny Pickett. Do you buy or sell Kenny Pickett as a first round pick in 2022? You know, that's an interesting situation because I know that there are a lot of teams who are going to be in the quarterback market this offseason and aren't enough there aren't enough names to go around so someone's going to end up having to reach uh maybe to overpay in free agency for someone or reach in the draft i wouldn't take kenny pickett in the first round but i'd buy another team would i think his production has been very good i think that he's really improved this year i think he looks even more accurate he's a you know, sound from a decision-making perspective, good pocket presence, the ability to evade defenders and stay tough and stand tall under pressure. Uh, Not a bad athlete. He's also, you know, has that anticipatory ability to predict when his guys are going to get open and hit him in stride. Uh, There's a lot to like with Kenny Pickett. Is he franchise material? I don't know. I don't know if his upside is as high as some other uh, top quarterbacks in this class, like a like a Carson Strong, maybe talking about that next tier down on my board. But I do think there is, uh, there's starting potential with Kenny Pickett. I think he's shown that this year. And it wouldn't shock me if a team takes him in round one, honestly, considering Sam Howell dropping down boards a little bit, Spencer Rattler falling off a cliff, uh, and then just the general confusion at the top of the board there at the quarterback position. So I'll say bye. Again, would I do that? I'd, I'd prefer to take a bigger shot at quarterback if I'm taking someone first round, but my own personal philosophy aside, Pickett's played very well. I think there's a lot to like, so I think a team's going to take a chance on him as it stands right now. Yeah, and with a quarterback like Pickett, I could definitely see, like Teddy Bridgewater in 2014, him uh, being picked at the tail end of the first round by a team that needs a quarterback just to get that fifth-year option. 
Yeah, absolutely. I could see uh, one of those second round teams maybe trading up or a team that has a veteran quarterback but doesn't have a contingency plan in place. I could see one of them going for Kenny Pickett uh, and just seeing what happens with him because I think that I know that there's uh, a little bit of a misconception about what pro ready means in today's NFL. I think that that's generally meant to say a smart, accurate quarterback who doesn't have a strong arm and isn't athletic. I think Pickett has a solid arm. He's a good athlete, uh, but I do think the accuracy and decision-making, he fits those criteria well. So I think there's going to be a team to take a shot on him around there. And let's talk about the number one team in the country, the Georgia Bulldogs. They had that amazing defense. Georgia is going to have a lot of people from that defense taken in this draft. And one rising up boards is defensive end Trayvon Walker. Do you buy or sell Trayvon Walker as a first round pick in 2022? I'm going to go with sell. I think that there's, there's a high ceiling with him to be sure. I think that he's a strong player. I think that he he's a very good run defender. There's a lot to like with him. Uh, in terms of his ability to eat up gaps and to hold up blocks at the point of attack. Uh, I still want to see a little bit more from him from a technical perspective. I want to see a little bit of a higher ceiling as a pass rusher. He's a good athlete, but I think that he doesn't have a ton of finesse in his game. And, you know, again, I'll reevaluate, you know, more over the course of this year as I get to watch more of him. But from what I've seen this year, he has the potential to start in the league for sure. I think that there's, you know, there's a reason he's been rising up boards and getting on the, uh, on the radar of a lot of guys, but I don't think he's quite in that. Uh, uh, I don't think he's quite in that range yet though. One guy I will say, uh, keep an eye on Jordan Davis, keep an eye on Jordan Davis, his teammate at Georgia, who's also a defensive lineman. I think that he's the guy rising up a lot of boards, uh, He's proven me wrong from an athleticism perspective. He's a lot more mobile than I gave him credit for, and he's just a hoss who could eat up space. So I think he has definitely potential to go around one. Don't know about Trayvon Walker yet, but I see the appeal. I'm just not on board in round one. In 2019, there was a guard from Boston College, Chris Lindstrom, that was picked 14th overall by the Atlanta Falcons. And we have another guard from Boston College making a similar rise up boards as Chris Lindstrom did a couple years ago. Zion Johnson out of Boston College. Do you buy or sell him as a first-round pick? Uh, He's a guy that I'll probably sell on as a first-round pick. But, again, it's another one of those situations where I see the appeal with him. Uh, and I think he can be a solid starter in the league going forward. Uh, like I watched probably more of him uh, in 2020 than I have of 2021. So that's something I'm looking forward to catching up on a little bit, but ultimately Zion Johnson, he's got, you know, some guard tackle versatility. I think he's much more of a guard at the next level though. Uh, strong dude. Absolutely. I think that from a play strength perspective, he should be able to, Uh, translate well to the next level and he plays with that nasty edge where you know an offensive line coach is going to fall in love with the temperament that he plays with and I can guarantee that there are going to be some guys uh, some coaches uh, throughout the uh, throughout the league who are going to push for their teams to draft him just because they want a guy that nasty Uh, what I think will hold him back is a lack of length and I think that his athleticism can come into question sometimes I think that overall physical upside might not be as high as another offensive lineman in this class. Uh, just say from an interior perspective, like a Kenyon green out of Texas A&M or even a Donovan West out of Arizona state. He's a guy that I honestly really like who can play guard. He can play center. Uh, I think he's a perfect fit in a zone scheme, but yeah, Zion Johnson though. I do think there's a lot to like with him. I don't, I wouldn't take him round one, but I could, I definitely see an argument for him there on day two. And last but not least in this segment of buy or sell, one of this draft class's most inspiring stories, Bernhard Ryman, who plays at Central Michigan. He's an offensive tackle originally from Austria, I believe. Do you buy or sell Bernhard Ryman's chances of being a first round pick? I'm going to have to go with buy. I'm going to go with buy here. And simply because I see offensive tackles like this who have gone in the first round uh, kind of in this archetype of super tall uh, offensive tackles who are good athletes for their size, uh, looking at like a Garrett Bowles, like a Caleb McGarry, 
Uh, I know he didn't go first round, but Ezra Cleveland is another guy who fits this bill who went round two. A lengthy guy with, you know, good athletic ability. Maybe he's a little bit stiff in the hips. He's more of a waist bender than a knee bender, so to speak. Uh, But he's long. He can move well. He's strong at the point of attack. He's a pretty coordinated athlete. And he's held his own uh, when going up against Power 5 competition. I I got to see him against uh, Missouri. Uh, a couple a couple weeks ago and i think that was near the beginning of the year actually in like early september he definitely held his own there he did well against lsu as well so it's not a matter of competition with him i think that the upside's definitely there someone's going to take a chance on a guy that toolsy so i'm going to buy him bernard ryman i think that there's definitely a high ceiling with him and a team's going to really fall in love with that he is Jacob Infante, ladies and gentlemen, of the Draft Wire and Windy City Gridiron. You can follow him on Twitter at Jacob Infante24. And before we let you go, Jacob, let's do a little mock draft, albeit just a top 10 mock draft here. It's obviously very early, and uh, the real NFL draft uh, in April is going to be very different from the mock than we're going to conduct right now. But uh, it's never too early to start mocking, as they say. So let's start this top 10 mock. The Detroit Lions, if the season ended today, would have the number one overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft, would you give them Kayvon Thibodeau, Evan Neal? Uh, actually, no, they don't need a tackle. Silly me, they got Panay Sewell and Taylor Decker already. Derek Stingley Jr. or Kyle Hamilton? Uh, or if you want to uh, get your quarterback of the future, give them Malik Willis or somebody like that. What would you do? Yes, uh, here with the Lions pick, I'm going to give them Kayvon Thibodeau. I think that the Lions... Uh, I mean, obviously, the, a quarterback is a position that they'll need. I don't know if they pa- move on from Jared Goff this season, and I think that they're, I think they're a couple of years away from the point where they can comfortably put in a quarterback and give him a good roster to work with. This is a massive work in progress. So if you can get uh, an elite edge rushing prospect like Kayvon Thibodeau, I think that would go a long way to helping out this defense and give them a true blue chip face of the franchise, which I don't think, well, I don't want to say face of the franchise because it's rare. You see an edge rusher being that for a team in the NFL nowadays, but someone who can be a perennial pro bowler with that all pro ceiling. Uh, I think the Lions desperately need that. They might've gotten it at Panay Sewell on the offensive line. We'll see what happens with him over the next few years, but I think Kayvon Thibodeau, definitely a guy. Uh, worth building around on that defensive side of the ball. The Houston Texans are on the clock with the second overall pick if the season ended today. And uh, God, they could go so many different directions. Derek Stingley, Kyle Hamilton, Evan Neal. Uh, You could give them Aiden Hutchinson or one of the other two corners, Andrew Boot Jr., Kair Elam. This could be a pick ripe for trading uh, at number two overall, given the amount of needs on the Texans roster but uh, we're not going to trade any of these picks in this top 10 mock. What would you do here? Yeah. So excluding trades, which I think would be a good option here for the Texans with how many needs they have. It's a tough decision to make. And as intriguing as it might be to add an Evan Neal or a Derek Stingley or something like that. I think if you're picking that high, you're going to go quarterback if you're the Texans, which you know, whether I agree with that or not, I don't know. But I, I, my gut says right now they trade Deshaun Watson. We'll see what happens with Tua if he gets involved in that deal, if Watson goes to Miami, and if Tua goes to Houston or if he goes somewhere else in a three-team deal. But as it stands right now, I don't think you can go in and say Davis Mills is the quarterback of the future. I think that's a guy that you look at and you can improve. So I'm going to go Malik Willis here for the Houston Texans. And Maybe that's a little bit of a reach from a pure value perspective, but quarterbacks are obviously a very important position. And if you have someone with that dual threat ability today's NFL, like Malik Willis, uh, you can really work with that going forward. And here's why I may understand that pick. If the Texans end up keeping Tyrod Taylor, you could groom Malik Willis behind him and have a similar offense crafted around both of them. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I think that, uh, I think there'd be a lot of similarities with Taylor and Willis. Uh, I think Willis has a better arm, but I think that in terms of that mobility, I think that there's, you know, some similarities there. So Taylor would be a good guy for uh, Willis to learn under going forward. 
The Jacksonville Jaguars are now on the clock with the number three overall pick. And I'm thinking you got to protect Trevor Lawrence. As they say, the quarterback is the house, but the protection is the insurance. Evan Neal would be perfect here. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. I'll go Evan Neal here for the Jaguars. I think that they have their guy in Trevor Lawrence. Uh, but they still have a handful of needs on, on both sides of the ball. So you can go in a lot of different directions. But I think Evan Neal is a great investment for them to have that true uh, potential blue chip offensive tackle. You can have him protecting Lawrence in the long run and you can work around that on your offense because, you know, you said it perfectly. Offensive line is the insurance. And if you want to invest in Trevor Lawrence, you want to make sure he's upright. You want to make sure he's healthy. You want to make sure there's not a lot of pressure coming his way. So Evan Neal is definitely, that's a good pick here. That's what I do if I were the Jaguars. The New York Jets on the clock with the fourth overall pick of the season ended today, and uh, they could go a lot of different directions, particularly on defense. Uh, corner, you could get Derek Stingley Jr. or Andrew Booth Jr. or uh, Kair Elam if uh, either one of those two guys have become the cream of the crop at the end of the day. Or you could get Kyle Hamilton right here. Keep in mind, uh, Marcus May is playing on the franchise tag. Yeah, uh, so that is a, that's a tough question and that's a tough spot here to pick at uh i'm gonna go with Derek stingley here i feel like they haven't properly invested in the cornerback position recently i think it's been a lot of day three picks trusting them to consistently step up which is that's a lot that's a lot to ask out of your uh, at one of the most important positions in football so that's that's personally what I do. I think that Derek Stingley is the type of guy you can be a, a cornerback one for a defense. And as intriguing as it might be to add some more offensive pieces to build around Zach Wilson, I also think that uh, going with a corner would be a smart move. And then in round two, maybe you could get another offensive lineman. Maybe you could draft another receiver. Uh, tight end, maybe, depending on the value of the board. So a lot of different areas you can go there, but I'm going to go with Derek Stingley for the Jets here. And the New York Giants with their first of two picks at this top 10 mock on the clock at number five overall. And uh, they're probably going to have a new GM, definitely going to have a new GM after this season and probably a new coach as well. And uh, if you want edge, Aiden Hutchinson is still available here or George Karlaftis. Uh, you could go Kyle Hamilton if you want, but you already got Jabril Peppers, and he's pretty damn good at safety. Although uh, Kyle Hamilton's definitely still the best guy on the board here, and the Giants need all the talent they could get. And I think you, you take BPA here, and if you think it's Kyle Hamilton, we'll give him Kyle Hamilton. Let's see here. It's going to be close. I definitely see the argument for Kyle Hamilton here. I'm going to go – in a different direction though. I'm taking Aiden Hutchinson for the giants. I think that as much as any prospect in this class, he's boosted his stock with his play in 2020, uh, 2021 rather on the defensive side of the ball. I think that they don't really have that stud off the edge right now. They have Leonard Williams along the interior defense. They've got Dexter Lawrence, uh, but they don't have that true pass rushing threat just yet. And I think that, Aziz Ojolari has shown some promise. If you get Ojolari and uh, Hutchinson next to each other, I think that those guys would complement each other very well. You've got the more speedy Ojolari versus the more technically refined and powerful Hutchinson. Uh, you can move Hutchinson in a lot of different ways. You can kick him inside in certain packages. I, I think that's a pick that, uh, I mean, regardless of whoever takes over that GM spot, I think that's a pick the Giants would consider. Uh, a lot of different directions you can go for sure, but I'm going to take Aiden Hutchinson here for the Giants. And the Philadelphia Eagles on the clock at six overall. A lot of different directions they could go here. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, DeMarvin Leal, Garrett Wilson, Andrew Booth Jr., Kair Elam, Chris Olave, Sauce Garner, George Karlaftis. Uh, he would be a logical successor to Brandon Graham, who's long in the tooth. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to have to go with, uh, uh, I'm going with Kyle Hamilton here. I think that's where I'm the, that's where I'm going to end up going. Uh, I think that he's, you know, the best player available at this point and the Eagles do have a need at safety in terms of that long-term growth. And I think that going with a guy who's as high of an upside pick as Kyle Hamilton, who can also step in right away 
it's rare you have a player who's pro ready and that has that super high ceiling like Kyle Hamilton does. So you get him in that secondary. I think that's a great starting point for that defense. And you're going to have at least two more first round picks this year, probably. Yeah. At least two first round picks rather potentially three in total. So you can truly go with BPA. You don't have to reach for a specific need. It just so happens that safety is a need for the Eagles and Kyle Hamilton's the best player on the board. The seventh overall pick as of today belongs to the Atlanta Falcons and uh, Garrett Wilson to pair with Calvin Ridley or Chris Olave to pair with Calvin Ridley. It definitely sounds appealing. Uh, and Kyle Pitts for that matter. That would be a, an elite passing attack for Arthur Smith and company. But uh, you also got uh, two corners and Andrew Booth Jr. and Kair Elam. Uh, still available, um, Sauce Gardner as well, or George Karlaftis to get them edge help that they sorely need. A lot of different directions you can go here. I'm going to go with uh, give me DeMarvin Leal. I think that you've got a player who's versatile, a guy who can play inside and outside. I don't know exactly where the Falcons would play him if they'd have him stand up off the edge or they'd uh, – put him in a hands in the dirt role, but regardless, I think you're getting an explosive athlete. I think you're getting an incredible football player who uses his hands. Well, he's a big dude who accelerates insanely well, a good run defender can eat up gaps well and uh, hold his own when executing those run fits. So give me DeMarvin Leal. I think that I have him slightly ahead of George Karlaftis and I did consider a corner here. I did consider either a uh, career or a, uh, Andrew Booth Jr., but I think that Leal is the best player available here, and I think that he's a good investment. The Washington football team now on the clock. Who would have the eighth overall pick if the season ended today? Uh, Matt Corral? Um, I'm not sure here. Even though their roster looks stacked, they're definitely not playing like it. They still look like they're slightly more than a quarterback away in Washington. Yeah, honestly, I agree. I think that there are some holes on that side of the ball. Uh, the offense speaking uh, and defense defense is on paper, very good. They haven't necessarily lived up to it this year. Uh, but I, I still have faith in that unit going forward as, as much as I'm a little hesitant to use a quarterback here as this pick in the top 10, I think it makes sense, honestly. So I'm going to go with Matt Corral for the Washington football team, because if you're picking that high, you're taking a shot on a quarterback. You didn't get the chance to do that really. Uh, this past draft. So heading into 2022, you know, it, there starts to become a sense of urgency of, okay, we need to get someone in there. We can develop, uh, try and find a way to keep Ryan Fitzpatrick on and have him sit for, you know, have Corral sit behind him for a little bit, potentially take over depending on how Fitzpatrick does. But th that's definitely a matter of the quarterback position having a lot of positional value. Absolutely. Uh, is he a top, is Matt Corral a pure top 10 player in this class in terms of overall value, getting an overall talent, excluding positional value? I don't think he is, but I think that the fact he plays quarterback and that Washington doesn't have really a plan there, I think that'll help him out for sure. The Philadelphia Eagles uh, with their second of two picks of this top 10 mock on the board again at nine overall. We gave them Kyle Hamilton at six. Do we double dip in the secondary? Uh, because Darius Slay, as great of a year as he's having, he's uh, a little, getting a little long the tooth. Uh, Andrew Boo Jr. and Kair Elam still on the board. Or do you give a running mate for Devontae Smith, that wide receiver core, with either Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave, who I believe would represent an upgrade over Jalen Rager? Both of them, that is. I think I'm going to double dip on the secondary here. I think I'm going to go with Kair Elam. I think that, uh, like you said, there, there's some talent in that secondary but that's still a weakness on this defense and we've we've seen that a good secondary can really help out a defense in terms of their ability to generate pressure uh you know they can say coverage is the best pressure at some times and ha they have some talent up front that's a matter of being able to consistently hold up on the back end that's you know kind of hurt them at times so you get hamilton and elam in the secondary I think that's a really good investment for the Eagles. I think that's really good for their long-term future because 
they've used a decent amount of like their early round uh, draft capital on the offensive side of the ball in recent years. So to get a couple defensive young studs in there, I think would be really helpful. And last but not least, the New York Giants in the pick they got from the Bears in the Justin Fields trade finish out this top 10 mock. We gave them their edge in in Hutchinson. Uh, wide receiver uh, Kenny Galladay has been a disappointment. Uh, Sterling Shepard uh, has some health questions. And uh, Darius Slayton is entering the final year of his contract next year. Could we give them Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson? Or maybe we could uh, double dip at edge with George Karloftis because you can never have too many edge rushers or if uh, even though he's probably not going to be there uh, you got to improve that offensive line still Kenyon Green would make a lot of sense or get another corner with Andrew Booth because you can never ever have an, enough DBs in this league yeah this is this is tough in all honesty I think that there are a lot of different directions you can go here uh, and in all honesty, I'd look to trade down if I'm the Giants here, but I'm, I'm not going to do that because that, that would be cheating. So I'm not going <laughs> to go in that direction here. Uh, I'm not going to double dip on edge. I feel like one area that the Jets, I mean, the Giants rather could improve is their offensive line. Is there a tackle that I'd take this early? I'm not sure but there are a couple interior guys I'd look at. One of them is Tyler Linder, Linderbaum out of Iowa, but I'm taking Kenyon Green here for the Giants. I think that he offers more positional versatility. And when you look at Kenyon Green, you look at the kind of guy who's, you know, basically the total package along the interior. Pad level's very good. Hand placement, great. Insane play strength, nasty demeanor. Uh, not the greatest athlete but he's not bad in terms of his mobility and his speed but definitely a day one starter for that offensive line I don't think they give up on Daniel Jones just yet and I don't think this year there's going to be a quarterback to fall to them to really tempt them into doing so so trying to get the most out of your investment Kenyon Green here is going to be my pick again you can go in a lot of different directions and there are a couple of reasonable picks on both sides of the ball you could go with but Kenyon Green's going to be my pick for the Giants Thank you very much, Jacob. And that's it for this special edition of Sports Crunch. But we'll be back shortly before the Senior Bowl to continue our 2022 Dash to the Draft series. So stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to follow Jacob on Twitter at JacobInfante24. You can also follow me on Twitter at DCrom59 and on Instagram at SportsCrunchWithDCrom. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. And don't forget the new and improved www.sportscrunch.com. For Jacob Infante, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, stay safe, stay sane. And if you haven't done so yet, please, please, please get your COVID-19 vaccine. I promise you that it will literally, literally help save your life. But if you do not want a vaccine, please do whatever is required to protect yourself, your family, and your friends. Take care, cats, kittens, and stay cool. Stay cool.